welcome to the Empower Her podcast. I'm Deanna, an ex-corporate manager turned certified coach, empowering you to create the life of your dreams. My goal is to guide you and support you in understanding what you really want in life, what steps to take to get there, and learn to actually enjoy the ride. Whether you are climbing the corporate ladder, a stay-at-home parent, or an entrepreneur, I coach you on how to believe you are worthy of a balanced, happy, and energetically positive life in work and at home. My goal in this podcast is to help you recognize patterns, implement change, and use your energy for positivity within yourself and your own life. I believe you don't have to suffer in this lifetime. You can create a life on your terms based on what you want regardless of what that looks like. It is about reframing your beliefs, letting go of negative thoughts, and looking at your life as a set of opportunities there for you. I'm so excited to get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Empower Her podcast. So it is Valentine's week, and the episode today is not going to be Valentine's themed at all. I was considering doing an episode, but, you know, I just did a dating one a few weeks ago, and I have did the Manifesting Your Partner episode. I felt called to do – I was listening to my human design, guys. I was listening to my human design, and I felt called to do the specific topic today versus a Valentine's episode. But I did want to just mention because on this podcast and in general in my coaching, my social media, I talk a lot about self-love, self-worth, and just self-care. And Valentine's Day I know can be triggering for some people, especially if you don't have a partner and want one. But Valentine's Day is not, to me personally, about loving a partner necessarily. I would always celebrate Valentine's Day with my sister, with my mom. We would celebrate it with my best friend, even when I was single or in a relationship. It's about loving the people around you and loving yourself. So that's just a little PSA for everybody that Valentine's Day does not need to be about a partner. It can be about just loving yourself. Do something nice for yourself. Buy yourself a rose. Buy yourself dairy-free chocolate because I can't eat dairy. So it's dairy-free chocolate for me. So do those things that are nice for yourself. It really doesn't need to be necessarily about someone else. Just a little life update. So I've been doing this EFT money tapping exercise this week. It's a little mini program that I'm in and it's a seven-day EFT money tapping, basically rewiring your mindset belief around money. It's been pretty good. I'm on day three of it, so I'm excited. So far, so good. I love EFT tapping. It's been really good for rewiring my brain and also nervous system regulation. I always feel so much more calm afterwards, and I just feel so much better as well. So I've been doing that and I've been really trying to tap into meditations and my hot girl walks. Maybe we'll start calling them hot people walks. I'll think on that. But anyways, hot girl walks, I've been doing those. It just has so many good benefits and I'm not even talking about like the fact that walking is good. I don't walk around 
as much as I should. And I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, especially since the pandemic. Since the pandemic 2022, I've been working from home, even when I worked in corporate. And then now I obviously have my own business. So I work from home. But it just limits the amount I walk. I mean, I used to, you know, get up early, walk to the metro station, go to work. I would walk around the office, walk home, go to dinner afterwards, you know, all the things. Now I don't even have that. And luckily for me, I mean, not for my steps, but luckily for me, the grocery store, my gym is literally five minutes walking distance from where I live. So I just don't walk a lot. So I've been doing hot girl walks and they've had just such an amazing benefit. Anytime I feel anxious, stressed, I go on a hot girl walk and I just feel 10 times better. Like today, for example, I was feeling super, super tired and I went on a hot girl walk. I'm telling you, zero energy to do it. I really didn't have energy for it. And I went and I, f- and I feel so much more alert now. I feel like I have more energy. I feel more alert. It was beautiful outside. Sun is shining. Absolute spring vibe. So I'm super excited. And again, this is just all to remind you that find those things that work for you and Make the best of them and incorporate them into your daily life because that's what's going to help you get from point A to point B, right? We're always just thinking one step at a time, what day at a time. You don't have to do the most. Even just simple things like this can make a really big difference. It has had such a big impact on my life. And I always try to post on Instagram as well to kind of inspire others to go on their hot girl walks. So hopefully it inspires you to add some good things into your week, into your day that are really going to help you. So today's topic came to me while I did a meditation actually, which I'm super excited about. And I want to share my secrets and also my tips to interviewing coming from an ex corporate manager. So typically when I talk in my podcast or just in general on social media, I'm a coach. So I talk from the perspective of like a career coach, leadership coach, right? But I'm also, I was a corporate manager. I hired people, a lot of people. I hired over 30 people. I've had, you know, a hundred plus interviews and I've hired some amazing people into my teams. And I find that interviews can be such a tough topic for my clients and people get really stressed with interviews, really, really stressed. And so during my meditation, I was actually doing a higher self meditation, which doesn't necessarily incorporate kind of like coming up with ideas. It's more like what you want in life, but this just came to me and I was like, I need to do this. And since I'm a manager I'm responding to this stimuli that I got, this vision I got about talking about interviewing. So I'm super excited to talk about that today. So it's going to be a mix of kind of my secrets, which are really just my inner thoughts when I'm interviewing. And then I also have some tips. I did try to pick non-obvious tips, more unconventional tips, maybe things that people don't think about things that they think don't matter or things that aren't, you know, the usual that we talk about. So hopefully you'll get some good info and learn some new tips as well. So I'm going to start out with kind of my secrets, my thought process when I'm interviewing. And these are just my honest thoughts as being a hiring manager. Just for some context, I worked in marketing. So I hired a lot of creative people, copywriters, designers, front-end developers, marketing automation specialists, um, account managers as well to help with projects. Typically, the way we worked is is 
you know, we'd have the job description, people would apply, then the recruiters would take kind of the first stab at looking at the applications. And if they felt like they fit the bill generally, then they would send the resumes off to me. And then I would look over the resumes, decide who I wanted to proceed, and then whoever was going to move forward, they would get a homework assignment. And then the homework assignment was always in relation to their role. So a graphic designer would get something graphic design related, copywriter, copywriter related, et cetera, et cetera. And then if they did the homework assignment and it looked good and I was happy with it, then they would move on to the interview stage. So that's kind of how it looked. And this is going to, I only say this because it does affect kind of my thought process, but I just wanted to put that out there in the beginning. So my first kind of internal thought process is when I get to the point then I'm in an interview stage and I've gone through looking at the person's resume, seen their homework assignment, I usually already know if I want to hire them or not. Or I usually already have an idea of what aspect I'm curious about in an interview. So even if I don't know if I want to hire them, I know that I want to ask about a certain thing that was concerning or I want to see if they're a team fit, right? So typically I go into these interviews knowing exactly what topic or what thing that I want to get clarity on in order to decide if I want to hire this person or not. So um, a good example of this is, you know, I have people come in that have really, really great resumes, really great homework assignments, but they come in and they're just not a team fit, right? They're not a team fit. They don't have the personality to work with the team. I know they're going to clash. You know, maybe they aren't super collaborative and this is the type of role. I'm always looking to see kind of how it fits in with the team. On the flip side, maybe someone had an okay homework assignment, an okay resume, but their personality was just so amazing and they said such great things and I felt like they were such a good fit for the rest of the team that I would hire them. So those are kind of like what I'm looking for. If you ever have a situation where you have an interview with a hiring manager and then there's like a next round interview with the hiring manager's boss, maybe the head of, the director of, I had this for a few of my positions. This is normally just a formality. If I have gotten to the point as the hiring manager where I say I like this person, they can move on to meet my boss, that is a formality. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, if I get to the point where I like someone enough to send them up to my boss, I will be riding or dying for them. I don't care what my boss says. I will go to the ends of this earth to make sure that we hire that person because I'm only sending someone to my boss when I know it's someone that I want to hire. So I don't think I can say blanket statement that this is how it works in every single company, but I would say for the majority of the companies, if you're interviewing with the hiring manager and then you move on to their boss, that is more of a formality and they're just making sure that they're the right fit for the role. And let me tell you, I always got my way in hiring people, but that's a different discussion. Next one. I think this is such a big contention point for people about perfectionism. I don't care if you're not perfect. I actually, if you're perfect in an interview, that's concerning to me. The The goal is never to be perfect in the interview. It's to have a good interview, right? Like I interviewed with people that were never perfect. One time, there was a guy I was hiring for a position and, you know, his resume was great. His homework was great. He came in. He was ill. He was so, so, so sick. This poor person was so sick in the interview. And yeah, it wasn't the best interview, right? Like it wasn't. He just wasn't on his game. He was tired. He was lethargic. Like you could tell he was so sick. 
I still hired him anyways because I felt like what he said was great. And he's still at the company today. I don't even know how many years later, six, seven years later, and was an amazing hire, right? So I'm not looking for perfection. If you're the right person for the role, I will be able to see through your sickness or your nervousness or anything that you have going on. Another example is like I worked in, when I worked in corporate, I worked in a non-English speaking country, but we hired English speaking people because our clients were English speaking. So I would have people come in that didn't have perfect English, but like they spoke really well. Because I speak, obviously I'm a native English speaker. I'm, you know, half American. I grew up in the States. I have perfect English and that's what people hear. So they always get concerned when they talk to me. They're like, oh, she probably is like thinking about my English. No, like as long as you can articulate and, you know, say what you need to say, I don't care that you don't have perfect English, right? Again, this goes back to this, like you don't need to be perfect. It's about being the right fit for the role. My next little secret, and I don't know if this is my intuition or my instincts, but I pretty much know within the first five minutes if I want to hire you or not for the role. I go into interviews very, very specific. I do think I have a good read on people's energy. I haven't really ever been wrong, and I've hired a lot of people. My instincts have always been really great, and I know within the first five minutes if I want to hire someone. And that just goes to show, like, A, you don't have to be perfect in the interview, and B, it is about how you carry yourself, the personality, the way you explain things, rather than necessarily kind of the day-to-day. I I think it's very rare. I think it has happened, but – There was a time where I think someone, you know, I thought I was going to hire them. And as they kept talking, I felt like maybe not. But that's very, very rare that that happens. Usually I will know within the first five minutes. I think it's that intuition. I really, really do. My next little secret is if two people have similar qualifications, I'm going to choose the one that has that's a better team fit. And it doesn't have to be the loudest, most outgoing person. I had one team, which was three people. They were all super introverted. Okay. Super introverted. So I knew I couldn't put an extroverted, really intense person in that team because they would absolutely clash. There was such an intense, positive team dynamic that I really needed to make sure to hire someone that was going to be a similar sort of temperament, a similar sort of personality type in order to fit with them. And yes, if you are a good hiring manager and a good manager and leader, you absolutely 1000% should take that into consideration. It's not always about the person with the best qualifications, the best homework assignment. They also need to be a good fit for the team. They need to have a good team dynamic because at the end of the day, when you have teams that work together and my teams worked really closely together in order to work on their projects, you do need to have a good team dynamic. It is absolutely necessary. And just to add on to this, if I have two people and one is more qualified than the other, but the one who's less qualified is a better team fit, I will hire them. It matters. So I think this could maybe help people understand that it's not just about if you get like a a rejection, for example, after you've interviewed, it's not always about your qualifications or you're not good enough. It's just maybe that there was someone that was a better fit for the team. And honestly, that's better for you too because do you really want to be in a situation where you're in a team that you're not going to mesh well with? I would think not. 
My next little secret is I always keep good candidates in mind for other roles. So I would always have – like I had a huge folder on my laptop with all the resumes, all the people. I actually had an Excel file because I was – hiring so many people at once. I think there was one time where I was hiring literally for like five or six different positions, which if you're a hiring manager, you know that's a lot next to all your daily tasks. And I kept a running list in an Excel file of all the candidates and I would write notes and I would always write if I thought someone would be good for a different position. Or for example, I would always think about, okay, maybe not my team, but what about another team in the department? Would they be good for that team as well? So I was always taking that into consideration and I was always sending resumes over to my colleagues, fellow managers saying, hey, I think this person would be great. And within my department, we were actually really good with that. All the managers were really good about forwarding resumes to other leaders to say, hey, they they would be great for your team. We really had a good kind of grasp on, okay, what does the personality fit? What kind of people do we need in the team? And that was something that I thought was super, super effective and that I really, really enjoyed. Okay, if I'm a hiring manager and I'm looking at resumes to see if I want someone to move on to the next round, I do not spend more than five minutes on a resume. And I would say five minutes is generous. I maybe spend two minutes. I look generally at the qualifications. If they generally have the qualifications and I think it looks good, then they can move on in the process, right? I do take things into consideration like what the actual resume looks like. So for example, as I mentioned, I hired for creative people. So if you're applying for a graphic designer role and your resume is super like not aesthetic at all, that's a red flag. If I'm hiring you for a copywriter position and you have a bunch of typos in your resume, that's a red flag. So I would say this is kind of like positive and negative as in like negative as, you know, for the person, for the candidates, you need to make sure your resume looks good, but positive in that I'm not going to go through every single detail. If I think in general that you look good for the role, I'm going to move you on to the next round, right? There aren't as many qualified people as you think for roles. Like I could get 50 resumes and maybe Maybe I'll say like five or 10 of them, maybe even 15, I would say could move on. And, you know, so this is just to say that I think people think there's so many more qualified people for roles when they apply than there really are. You could get 100 resumes and have five qualified people for the role, right? So that's just something to keep in mind is never feel deterred when you see or you know that a lot of people have applied to a role because honestly, it just doesn't mean anything. Like there's people who apply to roles that literally have zero experience or have anything to do with that role. So keep being DeLulu and apply to the roles. (laughs) The next one is, do I check social media when looking at candidates? I would say sometimes yes. Um, LinkedIn mainly. I honestly don't care about your Instagram, your Facebook, your whatever, like social media, unless you're putting something out that's like super crazy. I honestly don't care. Um, I mainly just look at it if I want more information, for example. And of course, if you're like a creative role and you have a portfolio, then yes, I do look at your portfolio. Absolutely. And that absolutely matters. The next thing is, is if I'm in an interview with you and you're nervous and it's obvious, I'm not going to knock you down for that, right? 
I will, however, take it into consideration if you're so nervous to the point where we can't have a normal conversation and let's say the role you're applying to is a role that requires you to be in contact with a lot of people and stakeholders, then yeah, I'm going to take that into consideration and maybe I don't think you'd be a right fit. But I've hired people that were super nervous for roles like like literally so, so, so nervous. And I hired them because they didn't need to be client facing. And I knew that they wouldn't be nervous around me and their team. They were just nervous at the situation, but that their work didn't require them to kind of, you know, be on and talk to different stakeholders. And that's a really, really important nuance of, again, when we're looking at hiring for roles, like, is this person a fit for the role as a whole? Like that is super, super important. My next little tip secret is if you haven't worked with a certain tool or program, that's okay. But tell me how you would be able to easily learn and adapt to it. So if I ask you if you've worked with XYZ software and you say, no, I haven't, and that's the end of the discussion, well, that's not really telling me a bunch. Can you say, no, I haven't, but I learned tools really easily, for example, and then you give me an example of when you learned a tool really easily, or I've heard of this tool and I'm super excited to start learning it. I'm even considering taking a LinkedIn course this week on it, right? It's just showing me that enthusiasm that you're willing to learn and grow, even if you don't have direct experience with that specific tool or program. And then my next point, which I think I've pretty much said is you can be really qualified for the role, but not be the right person. There is a difference. And then on another note, if you are overqualified for a role, I will not hire you. And the reason for that is because I'm going to be super concerned that you are going to get bored in the role, which doesn't serve you and doesn't serve me, and that you're going to grow out of the position fast. At the end of the day, when we hire for positions, we do expect that a person is going to be in a a certain position for one or two years or even more depending on what the role is and depending on the trajectory. So if I have someone that's literally super overqualified and in three months they're going to be bored, that is not going to be good for either one of us because I'm I'm not going to be able to promote you in three months because that's not how the company works and you're going to feel like you're not doing enough or things to the level that you want to do and it's just going to be a disaster overall. My next point is, is that I typically always asked a senior person in my team to support me with interviewing. So if I was interviewing for a junior copywriter, I would have my experienced or senior copywriter help me out. At the end of the day, I usually had the ultimate say, but I really did use their opinion, reflect on their opinion, and I really made sure to take that into consideration and sort of make the decision with them. When you do interviews, I absolutely do check if you are physically put together. And no, this does not mean that you need to be the biggest fashionista or have the best clothes or the best hair or whatever. This just means that I want to see that you're put together, hair combed, clean clothes, just the basics. My next one is, is if you don't know anything about the company, like if I'm asking you about the company, if I'm telling you something, if HR is asking you about the company and you don't know anything and you say you don't know, I will assume that you're not that excited about this role and that you have other interviews that you're more excited about. And then I'm not going to be excited about you. Do yourself a favor, spend five or 10 minutes researching the company and just get the basics. It will go a long way. 
My next little secret, and a lot of people have asked me this before, but what happens if an interview goes over time? What happens if it's like shorter than the time? So here's my personal take on this. If an interview was really short, let's say it's an hour slot and the interview was like 40 minutes or less. That means that I 100% knew I wasn't going to hire this person and I didn't want to ask above and beyond questions. I still gave them my time. I still gave them my effort. I still really tried to understand them. But if I knew 100%, like let's say they just didn't have the experience I was looking for and I knew it wasn't going to be a right fit, having a really short interview was my sign that I 100% knew. If the interview time ran over, that's typically a good sign because I was talking to them a lot, had a lot of questions, and there was a lot to ask about. So that's kind of my take on that. And my last kind of secret or thought process is I love when candidates ask thoughtful questions at the end. It really just when, – when we asked at the end, you know, do you have any questions and they say no um, – it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You want them to think critically and really come up with questions. And I always help my clients with kind of coming up with great questions at the end of interviews that that they can always ask. So definitely something I would look out for. Okay, so moving on to the tips that I have for interviewing when you are in an interview. My first one is, and this could be a little bit controversial, is don't say anything along the lines of, I'm looking to learn or grow in this position. That gives off the vibe that you are here applying to this role because you want to learn and grow and that's it, right? At the end of the day, to me, it's obvious that you want to learn and grow. You should be learning and growing in every position. But if you say this, it's telling me that you care more about what the company and the role can give you rather than what you can bring to the company. So instead, talk about your value add and what you bring to the company. The next tip is dress for the role. I was When I first interviewed for my corporate job, I was so overdressed that the hiring manager actually told the staffing company because I I got the um, interview through a staffing company. They told the staffing company that they thought I was way too serious and they needed to see me smile more because I was overdressed. It was my first like corporate interview, my first big girl interview, and I literally didn't know I wore this like really like uptight dress with these, you know, high heeled boots. And it was super conservative and like just way overdressed when this company, like literally I was wearing jeans and t-shirt and sneakers to work every day when I started working there. So just look up the company, see what their style is and dress accordingly. Next tip is be on time. And if you're having a remote interview, test out your equipment beforehand. Don't be way too early. If you're walking in, I would say, you know, no more than 10 minutes early. When I had my first interview, I'm someone that loves to be on time or early. I think I was like 20 minutes early and I was just walking around outside in the cold. It was December in Europe. I was walking around because I didn't want to go in so early. So I was just walking around and then like five or 10 minutes before the interview, I actually went in. So I would say 10 minutes is like a good role like five or ten minutes early is perfect and then again if it's a remote role like definitely test out your equipment my other tip with a remote interview is use headphones it's way better sound quality than using your laptop microphone just by itself definitely use headphones my next tip is actually answer the question that you're being asked. I know this sounds obvious but I have so many times where I asked an interview question and they just 
didn't answer my question. Like they gave an answer, but it wasn't actually answering the question. So a good way to kind of make sure you do this is repeat the question back in answer form. So if the question is, this is just a random example, what is your experience with digital products? Your answer should repeat back the question and then explain. So my experience with digital products is projects is right. So you want to repeat it back. That's just a really good rule and a really easy way for you to then be able to actually, you know, make sure you're answering the question because at the end of the day, I I asked the question for a reason. I want to know what the answer is, right? My next tip is your resume should reflect your experience. So again, um, Obviously, you need to have the content, but what I wanted to mention here is, and I mentioned this previously, is, for example, if you're a graphic designer, because I hired a lot of graphic designers, you need to have a nicely formatted resume. If you don't, I'm going to be concerned. On the opposite end, if you're a copywriter applying for a role, you cannot have grammar or spelling issues in your resume. That is the first thing I will notice, and in my head, I will say, okay, if they couldn't have spent five or 10 extra minutes editing their resume, are they going to spend five or 10 extra minutes editing the work that they do here that's going to be published to millions of people, right? That's how I think about that. My next tip during an interview is small talk. So I'll be super honest. I hated small talk. This was something I really had to learn in corporate. I just like getting to the chase. Maybe this is my like Aries Leo combination and my, you know, signs, but I just do not like frolicking around and BSing. But in corporate, especially and in interviews, this is super important. So at the beginning of an interview, especially when you're just sitting there in silence, you're waiting for people to join, whatever it is, do the small talk, ask how their day is going, you know, talk about something about the city that's exciting, like have small talk. It really goes a long way and you never know what kind of conversation you can get out of it in the end. Another tip I have is before an interview, because obviously most people are super nervous, is do some sort of nervous system regulation work before the interview. This is really going to help you stay calm, really be more grounded, be more centered. So nervous system regulation could look like a meditation. It could look like a visualization. You could do a sort of exercise where you cross your arms and alternate tap on your shoulders. It could be grounding where you go outside, put your feet on the ground, just something that's going to really help you calm and your nervous system calm as well. The next tip is when you are going to an interview, have two to three examples of situations that you've had in the past in work that are going to help you answer questions. So I always give this tip to clients is have two to three examples in your back pocket of situations, projects you've worked on, anything that's happened, and have it in your back pocket so that when they ask you a question, you can answer the question with a specific example. There is nothing better than when a interview candidate asks a question answers a question with specific examples. That is really going to be super important and really the key. My next tip is to answer questions in one to three minutes. That's sort of the sweet spot. Anything less than a minute may be 
unless it's, you know, a yes or no question, but anything less than a minute, maybe a little bit too short and anything over three minutes is rambling. That's too much. If you can't concisely answer a question in three minutes, then you're not able to talk concisely about that thing. So I would definitely, definitely practice these interview answers at home, especially if you're someone that likes to, you know, talk a lot or ramble or continue to add things on that aren't really necessary. The next tip is eye contact while you're speaking and answering questions. This shows me a level of confidence that really can't be had elsewhere. Like the fact that you're sitting there and you may be nervous, but you're having eye contact with me and you're looking at me as you're answering the question or when I'm talking to you, you're looking at me. That is shows a lot of respect. It shows a lot of confidence and that's just going to be a really big boost. So this is something you can practice in your daily life. Whenever you're talking to people, practice with eye contact, looking at them in the eye, all the things. It's it's something you can definitely get better at if it's something that you feel nervous about. The next tip is smile and or be excited to be there. I want to see that you're excited about this role. If Even if you're the perfect candidate, but you are not excited about this role, then I'm not going to be excited about you, right? Like I want to know that you are interested in this role, that you feel good about this role, that you feel like that this is something that you really want to do. If I'm not feeling that, then, you know, I'm not going to feel like you're the right person for the role. My next tip is, I I also get asked this a lot, is it okay to have notes in a remote interview? And I think absolutely. I don't think that you should have sentences of notes. I don't think that you should read off of your notes sentences, but having bullet points is a good way to go. That's something that you can refer to, especially if you're really nervous or get off track, but at least you can improvise a little bit because at the end of the day, you do want the conversation to feel natural and you want it to flow as well. The next two tips I have are really about your energy, which I think is really, really important. And I, again, always say these things to clients. The first one is if you know that you're someone that gets hungry or hangry or whatever it is, eat two hours before the interview. Don't eat right before because then you might feel full, lethargic, tired. Make sure to eat a meal that is really going to feel good for you. You know your body the best. Make sure you get good night's rest. Make sure you're hydrated. Have water next to you during the interview. Really make sure that your body, your soul physically is doing good because that's how that's going to help you mentally. And then kind of on the same token is pick an interview time that works for you. I see so many clients that are like, oh, I'm just going to pick the first available interview time because that's a good sign and I want to, you know, get it done and things are going to happen faster. Pick a time that's going to work for you the best. Which time is going to give you the adequate amount of time to prepare? Which time is when you think you'll have the most energy? Look at your schedule. Look at your energy. Look at everything and pick a time that is going to work for you. I promise you, even if it's two days later than the first available time, it's not going to give you a less chance of getting the job. In fact, it's going to give you a better chance because you're going to be in the energetic frequency that is going to work for you and that is going to be the best for you. So these are all my secrets, my thought processes, and my tips about interviewing. I hope it was helpful. Definitely let me know on Instagram if you liked it, if you want similar topics. Again, I'm always open to hearing your feedback. This just really came to me that something that y'all wanted to hear. So I'm hoping that that's the case, but I'm manifesting it. So we're all 
good. So again, let me know what you think of the podcast. And otherwise, I hope you have an amazing week. Spend Valentine's Day focusing on yourself, not just those around you. Love on yourself because you're amazing. You're special. You deserve it and all the things. And as always, I will catch you in the next episode. And if you love this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave a review. And of course, you can follow me at Coach Deanna DeBolt on TikTok and Instagram. I'll catch you next time.